Merry Christmas to you and your family, and uh, from Church 1132 and all of us uh, to you and your family and friends. Uh, we're so glad that you're here, and uh, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Uh, it's our prayer that already uh, tonight, as you come and join, uh, that you sense uh, the presence of God. And uh, what an awesome time uh, to be able to come together with friends and family and uh, the body of Christ and be able to lift up uh, the name of Jesus. Uh, how, how many just love Christmas time? Man, it's just, it's awesome. How many are ready for it to be over? Don't, 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 don't. That's just... Uh, we, we are so glad that you're here, and um, I want to just tell you a couple things. Uh, my name is Pastor Dustin. If I haven't had, haven't had a chance to meet you, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and uh, if you're looking to get connected or find out more about us as a church, uh, it's really easy. You can just text NEXT1 uh, to 94000, and uh, our team will text you right back with some options of how to get connected uh, or opportunities uh, for you to just know more about the church, so it's super easy. Just text that in, and uh, then you can interact as much as you would like. And uh, as we in, uh, approach the end of the year, uh, for all of our people that come to our church, that are part of Church 1132, uh, as we're approaching, people have been asking about year-end giving. And uh, you can give tonight just how you normally give uh, at any of our locations. You can text to give uh, or you can give online. Uh, all of the same ways you can do that uh, right here tonight. Uh, it's your generosity that makes events like this happen, that thousands of people uh, get to come and celebrate and uh, lift up the name, excuse me, lift up the name of Jesus. And uh, we're so glad that you're able to do that uh, with us. I want you to go in your Bibles. We'll have it on the screen as well. We're going to read the Christmas story from Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. That's a problem. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind, he had in his mind, he resolved the best he could. He came up with the best scenario to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Jesus there's just something about that name. Anybody grow up in church, remember that old song? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Let all heaven and earth proclaim. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away but there's something about that name. I'm just going to tell you there's something about that name, Jesus. It's the reason we gather. It's the name that we gather around uh, th during these holiday seasons. But there's something about that name. There's power in that name. There, there is ability in that name. There's supernatural ability in that name. That name, Jesus. 
You know, in, in the Bible, names are really important, and we know we love our names now, and our names are important, but in these days, when, when children were given a name, this was a big deal. Their name was a descript, description of what would be their function. So the name was, was super important. Jamie, my wife, and I, we've got two boys, Jude and Genesis. And, um, you know, we're pastors, and everyone thinks that we're really spiritual because both our sons' names are also books in the Bible. The only problem is that's not why we named them. What we did is just a nice... It's just nice that it happens that way. Jude, actually, the reason we named Jude Jude is um, we look both like a song from a band <laughs> called the Beatles, and um, this is before we were saved, and uh, this is, someone's doing the math, like, I thought you were the pastor, so yeah, yeah don't worry about it, don't worry about it, and so we named him Jude because of the, because of the song, Hey, Hey Jude. And uh, we were actually in, in the hospital, and J Jamie, my wife, had to have a C-section when, when Jude was born. And uh, so uh, we went in the hospital, and uh, the doctor, she said, she said, you can have any song you want while uh, your wife gives birth to the baby. And, and so I got a playlist going through my head. I didn't know. You don't know what to do in that moment. You know, I don't know what she's wanting. I didn't know if we're, like, trying to just, like, get some, like, 80s rock and just, like, just get after it. I don't know if we should turn on like gratitude and worship. Um, but we just turned on Hey Jude because that was going to be his name. This is no joke. Right as the doctor picked up Jude, like a Lion King moment, the chorus of the song just hit over the speakers. Hey Jude. It's awesome. So that's, that's how he got his name. And it just happens to be a book in the Bible uh, as well. Genesis, uh, he got his name um, because we were actually, we were teaching, we were doing a spiritual emphasis week, so that's kind of that's spiritual, and uh, teaching at a school in Kona, Hawaii. That's not spiritual, but we were teaching in a school about spiritual things, and uh, we uh, met a kid, a little surfer, by the name of Genesis. And uh, so we said, man, that, that kid's so cool. Let's just name our kid Genesis. That's how, we, that's how he got his name. It's also the first book in the Bible, so that's good, uh, but that's not how he got them. I want you to know something in the Bible. It was very clear in the book of Matthew what Jesus' name was supposed to be. In fact, when the angel of the Lord came to Joseph, he spoke to Joseph and he said, Mary will have a son and you will name him Jesus. What do you think about that for a second? It's not like the angel had a conversation with Joseph. It was like, hey, you're about, I know this is a crazy situation. Your wife's pregnant. It wasn't from you. You guys are engaged. Probably a lot of wedding chaos. And uh, you don't get to pick his name, all right? His name is Jesus. I mean, that's, this is what happened. Not only was Joseph not the biological father of this son that he was supposed to father, but he is now not even getting to pick his name. In Jewish culture, it was a very high honor to pick the name of your firstborn son. So he doesn't even get to pick his name, God says, which in hindsight for all of us, we're like, duh, it's supposed to be Jesus. But for Joseph, who just found out his fiance was pregnant by the Holy Spirit, I would imagine he's got some, he's got some questions that he wants answered, that his name would be Jesus, that he would save his people from their sins. The, the, from the beginning of time, God had a plan. 
What we read in the book of Matthew about Mary and Joseph is just the completion to a plan that has already been going on for centuries and centuries, not decades, centuries, literally hundreds and hundreds of years. As soon as Adam in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve fell, God began to work on a plan, a plan that would send a Messiah, a Savior, a one who was pure and spotless, a one that would be a sacrifice for all of mankind to forgive all of our sins, God began to put it into practice. God began to put it into motion with over 365 prophecies that the Messiah would come. He would be from Bethlehem. He would be born of a virgin and on and on and on. Did you know that the entire Christmas story hinges on the obedience of one man? Literally, what happened in the beginning in the book of Genesis, what happened from Abraham and Sarah, what happened with Rahab and Ruth and Boaz, as the lineage of David goes throughout the Bible. We read in Matthew chapter 1, the whole genealogy of Jesus, generation after generation after generation. It all culminates in one moment where Mary shows up pregnant. You know what's interesting? This is what your Bible says. It says... In verse 18, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, that means before they were intimate together, she was found to be pregnant. Let's just think about that for a second. How do you find yourself pregnant? You know, that's like... That's like, that's not just something that it's just like you're, you're out to dinner one night, you look over, you're like, honey, did you go up a size? Like, you don't, you don't, right? We don't say that. That's not, that's, Joseph's not an idiot. Did you, she just glowing over there? And you're like, hey, what's, you, so you got something to tell me? Literally, she was found to be pregnant. I'm going to tell you this, when you're talking about the purpose of God, it always requires an element of faith. If you're going to see God do something great in your life, it will require you to have a, a, an, an element of faith, of persistence, of belief that what God said will also come to pass. It's, it's interesting that after Mary's found to be pregnant, the angel comes to Joseph. And isn't this how it is, like in our lives with God, is, it's never the angelic visitation first. Like, that would have been nice, you know? Like, hey, Joseph, Mary's about to show up. You're going to notice something. Don't be alarmed. It was, it was God. And uh, she's pregnant, but trust me, you know, it's, it's okay. Like, we did this. And it, there was no advance warning. It was just like, hey, Mary, what's, what's happening? Right? This is how it is with God's plan. Oftentimes, we stumble into a situation, and you have to have faith to trust God through it. You have to have faith to trust God in it. And then later, on the other side of it, you start finding out, oh yeah, God, you were with me all along. Right? The angel shows up and is like, hey, Joseph, calm down. You're good, man. Like, just, just hold on here. But, but I, I wish God's will was different. I wish that the pur purpose of God, like, I wish we got some type of notification of what God was about to do. I wish in 2019 somebody would have sent me an email and said, 2020 is going to be a little, a little rough. 
I like just, just, just hold tight. It's going to be all right. But instead, we are all getting vision for 2020, right? There's all these prophetic words going all around YouTube. 2020 is going to be the year of 2020 vision. It's going to be incredible. I could have used a text. I could have used an angelic visitation to say, this is about to be the worst year of your life. Buckle up, cowboy. I mean, I, I would have I had a little more faith if I would have known what was coming. I mean, you could have sent me something. Like a Hallmark Christmas card or something. You guys still you guys still send Christmas cards? Everybody sending Christmas cards? I found a couple Christmas cards I thought was funny this week. Is I found one that says I spent a long time choosing the perfect Christmas card that will look good in your garbage. <laughs> I found another one that said it's beginning to cost a lot like Christmas. Anybody relate with that one? Found another one says, have you seen one of those commercials where the Christmas gift is a brand new car with a big red bow? Well, we're not doing that. (laughs) Joseph had no warning, no Christmas card, no text message, no email, no notification, just an opportunity to trust. That the plan that God had put into motion was the plan that God had ordained. And if he could stay and be faithful and walk it out in obedience, then he would see God do what he said he would do. In verse 19, it says this. Before Joseph has the angelic visitation, it says he had in mind to divorce her quietly. I started to pray into this. I started to think that, For most of us, the the problems we have with God are because something that God's doing is in his mind and not in ours. That we've tried to figure out in our own mind how this is going to work or how God's going to fix this or how this is going to come to pass. And we can't figure out in our own mind. So we try to strategize in our own mind. We try to come up with a plan in our own strength. We try to make our own path. And God said, I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says God's ways are not our ways. That his thoughts are not our thoughts. That that, that his ways are above our ways. Whenever you can't see or can't understand what God is doing in your mind, doesn't mean that God doesn't know what he's doing in his mind. The plan of God rarely fits into the plan of man. But the plan of God is always good and is always best for me and for you. It's interesting, Joseph, just, he had, he's trying to figure it out. He's like, whoa, she says she's pregnant. She says from the Holy Ghost. Like, how do you compete with that? And so I just, I'm going to get into my mind. I'm just going to divorce her quietly. And I started thinking this week that for many of us, when we can't understand God, we divorce the process. You know, the process is important. Everything that God's doing in your life right now is aiming, moving towards something. God never wastes pain. God never wastes a wilderness. God will never waste loss. So everything, even the things you're mad about, angry about, bitter about, God's not going to waste them. And sometimes you start to wonder, like, why is this happening? God, where are you? What are you up to? And for many of us, we divorce the process Or we divorce the promise of God because we can't fit it into our our minds. But I'm here to tell you on this Christmas Eve that what's in God's mind is different than what's in our mind. And what's in his mind is a perfect plan with a perfect end, with a perfect conclusion that is for your good. That is for your best interest. 
I like to say it like this. If it's not good yet, then God's not done yet. That there is still is a process that God is working towards. And I believe this, God's speaking to the people of God on this Christmas Eve. That if you would be faithful to the process, that you would eventually see God's promise. Out of my mind isn't too bad as long as it's in God's mind. I want to make sure that it's in the mind of God. If I were to ask you what was one of the most popular Christmas movies of all time, what do you think you would say? I'm just, someone said Home Alone. The most popular, do you know, is Die Hard supposed to be a Christmas movie? I started it last Christmas and ended it because I didn't understand. Uh, Anybody seen the movie Elf? All right. How many times have you watched it already this year? Yeah. Too many times. Got all the quotes, all the quotes memorized. In the movie Elf, uh, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Yeah. Oh, somebody, somebody's watched it. I like in the movie Elf at the very end, spoiler alert if you have not seen it, Buddy the Elf has one job to assist his father in maintaining, you'll remember this, the Kringle 3000, a 500 reindeer power jet turbine engine that Papa Elf engineered when the spirit of Christmas was no longer powerful enough to keep Santa's sleigh airborne. And if you know the movie, they needed more Christmas spirit to turn that, what is it called? Somebody, the clausometer, is that what it is? You got a picture of it? The clausometer, so we know what it is? The clausometer. To turn the clausometer up, right, the more Christmas spirit would turn the meter up and give the sleigh the power to get to the destination. Some of you are like, are we really talking about elf? Yes, we are, and you're going to be all right, and I know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, okay? So... I know you just can't wait to get to the door to tell me that. I already knew it. All right, so just <laughs> save yourself and follow along with the analogy. Do you know what Christmas spirit really is? Christmas spirit is faith. Christmas spirit is believing in something. And do you know what powers your purpose more than any other thing? It's faith. Do you know what we really need as we approach a brand new year? It's for the people of God to have faith again. It's for the people of God to begin to believe again. It's for the people of God to believe that God could save a city, that God could save my family, that God could fulfill his promises, that God could heal my body, that God could restore hope, that God could restore my trust. That it's, it's the belief that God could do what he said he's going to do. Christmas spirit, maybe Christmas spirit should be just called Christmas faith. That when you have faith to believe that God is working for you, that God is working on your behalf, then you can trust that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. But I got a couple things for you. If you're going to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you're going to have to do a couple things. One is you're going to have to silence, some of you are going to really like this one, you're going to have to silence your haters. Everyone has an opinion about someone else's journey. Did you know that, that Joseph, in order to make the decision that he had to make to be the father of Jesus, who was 
being born from his pregnant fiance, that he was subjected to all kinds of disgrace. Multiple times in scripture, in the book of Luke, it talks about the religiosity or the piety of Joseph, which means he was a religious man. He followed the law. So even when he had in mind to divorce her quietly, it was his kindness that said, I won't subject her to public shame. But it was his commitment to the law that said, I won't marry her because she's pregnant and not my wife. So when the angel came to Joseph and Joseph decided, I am going to obey God to father this child, he subjected himself to the ridicule of the people around him. And I'm going to propose this to you. If you're ever going to do something great for God, then you better get used to and you better get ready for people to come against it. If there's nobody combating what you're doing with your life, you're probably not doing something too great. Because the bigger you are, the more influence you have, and the greater things you accomplish, the more enemies will come out to stop you. And if you're going to fulfill God's given purpose for your life, you are going to have to silence the opinion of others so that you can have faith for your journey. You're going to have to silence the haters. You're going to have to trust the process. This is difficult for a lot of us. The, 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 the ability to trust God's process. When his time doesn't look like my time. When his ways don't look like, have you ever had that happen? Like, God, why did you do that? Why did you do it this way? Why is it taking this long? Why did we have to go through that season? But if you know God long enough, if you have walked with God long enough, you begin to have history with God, and you begin to understand that God's always working in and through every situation to, to use even what the enemy meant for evil and to turn it around for good. You're going to have to trust the process. I wonder if some people don't step into their purpose because they give up on the process. That God maybe was so close to answering a prayer or to bringing a breakthrough, but because they couldn't trust him in the process, they divorced the process, and in divorcing the process, they divorced the promise. The entire messianic prophecy hinged on the obedience and faith of Joseph. If Joseph would not have said, I'll do this, then Mary would have never had to go to Bethlehem. If Mary would have never had to go to Bethlehem, Jesus would have never been born in Bethlehem. If Jesus wouldn't have been born in Bethlehem, he could not have been the Messiah. Because it was prophesied over 700 years previously that the Messiah had to be born in Bethlehem. Did you know Bethlehem means house of bread? Did you know that Jesus was born in the house of bread? Did you know that Jesus is the bread of life? If Joseph says no to the assignment, Jesus is never born in Bethlehem. If, Jesus, if Joseph says no to the assignment, then Jesus is not born in the line of David. Because Mary wasn't in the lineage of David, Joseph was. And it was only Joseph choosing to say yes to the assignment that fulfilled the messianic prophecy that Jesus would be. It, Joseph's obedience unlocked the ability for the messianic prophecy to be fulfilled. I just want you to know that your obedience 
in the purpose of God is important. That what God's doing is bigger than just you and your life. God's, what God's doing is bigger than just you and your family. God's doing something massive across the earth, but you're a part of it. And you fulfilling your purpose, you being obedient to what God's asking of you, you having faith in the process is what brings this process to pass. And this is my favorite. The last one is you have to name the season. I have to silence the doubters. I have to trust the process. But I have to name the season. We talked about this. Joseph was instructed on what he should name his son. Now, I don't know if you know this, but that was a huge undertaking for Joseph to give up the ability to name his son. And to say, okay, his name is going to be Jesus. Jesus wasn't like the most popular Jewish name at the time. It wasn't like trending in 2022 for the po- most popular name to name a boy, Jesus. This, this is like different. But Joseph had to name the season and name the promise and name the son what God had named him. I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to fulfill God's plan for your life, you have to call your season what God calls it. Because some of you, you look at, you look at your life, you look at your job, you look at your faith, and you say there's no hope in it. I'm making no progress in it. God's disappointed me. My family's disappointed me. And what you're calling that season is different than what God's calling it. What you're calling impossible, God's calling possible. What you're calling dead, God's calling asleep. What you're calling over, God's calling just a beginning. You have to be careful what you name a season. When you go through struggles, when you go through dark seasons, when you go through dark chapters of your life, You have to be careful that you don't name a season according to what's in your mind and not what's in God's mind. If if, if you understand what God calls your season, if you understand that with God all things are possible, if you understand that with God you can do anything, if you understand with God, then you will start naming your seasons differently. You will start naming even difficulties differently. You, you remember the story, life and of Jesus as an adult. He's going about his ministry. Jesus comes to the house of a little girl who has died. The parents come and they call on Jesus and Jesus shows up. And they say, she's dead, she's dead. And Jesus walks into the room. Do you remember the words of Jesus? He says, she's not dead. She's just asleep. See, that's the power of the name Jesus. That's the power that's available to me and to you. Is that what the world calls dead, your God names something else. And if you're going to fulfill God's plan for your life, then you have to know what God named this season that you're in. Because you're getting bitter in a season that God wants to develop something in you. You're, You're getting resentful at God that he's not doing it the way you want him to work. But God's not in your mind you got to get out of your mind and into his mind because God's working in the midst of your difficulty. Jesus says, she's not dead. She's asleep. So Joseph is commanded to personally name this child that is not biologically his. It means that Joseph, in naming the child, acknowledges, acknowledges him as his own and becomes the legal father of the child according to Jewish law. As soon as Joseph named the son, that was the last 
check mark of adoption. So when he said, I'm going to get in alignment with what God says, and I'm going to name my season what he called it. So his name will be, Joseph, what's his name going to be? His name's going to be Jesus. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. You know why a lot of people don't fulfill their purpose? They never get an agreement on naming it. Some of you are calling it this, and God wants to call it that. Some of you are calling it this, and God wants to call it that. So what do I do, Pastor? If I want to fulfill the purpose of God, you've got to stop thinking your thoughts. Stop listening to cultural lies and opinions. And tune into the voice of God. What does He say about you? What has He named you? Some of you feel like, man, I've done too much. I'm too far from God. You've named your season as distant. God wants to call, name your season as close. You've named your season as disqualified. And God wants to name your season as qualified. The things that are keeping you at a distance from God are the things you've been naming the situation that you're in. But God calls it something different than you call it. God lives in a realm of possibility. And when you put that name, that name Jesus, on your situation, on your circumstance, on your life, on your mental illness, on your disease, on your emotions, on your relationships, something begins to change. When Joseph said his name will be Jesus, he came in agreement with the plan of God and the purpose of God began to happen. Jesus means God saves. God saves. God sent a name, and his name is Jesus. For he saved and will save his people from their sins. That name Jesus came down and lived among us, walked where we walk. He felt what we feel. That name Jesus was the word that became flesh, the promised gift from heaven. That name Jesus is a gift to me and to you. It's the embodiment of God's gift of love. There's just something about that name. I want to invite you all to stand with me all across this place. I want us just for a moment to turn our hearts in worship towards the Lord. And I want you to know this. That name, Jesus, was the gift of God that came here came to earth to walk among us, to live an innocent life, to die as a sacrifice, to forgive me and you of our sin so that we can have true life. That love came and lived right among us. That love came and blessed us. And I want us to take just a couple moments and just turn on, on this Christmas Eve our attention and our focus towards God. And I want us to worship that name. I want us to worship that name, Jesus.